0: devotion we're in Revelation 21 uh, which is the second to the last chapter of the book so these two chapters are going to look at heaven most scholars agree not all that uh, after chapter 20 maybe even after chapter 19 you have a heartbreak where everything is uh, exclusively about the future and particularly about um, day of judgment heaven stuff like that so let's begin here at the very beginning it says then I saw a new heaven and new earth For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." Now, um, what you have here is the culmination of really what is the biblical story. You're going to get where verse three makes clear that God and men dwell together. So the Bible opens up with that imagery, of God and men dwelling together in the garden. It ends with that imagery, with God and men dwelling together in a new city. Uh, so so remember that in Revelation, the word new is one, one of the more important words to watch for. So we saw new songs, for example, uh, throughout much of the book. Now we see a new heavens, a new earth, so a new creation and a new city. And what's fascinating is that this city comes down out of heaven. And so remember when Jesus left, was about to leave on the eve of his crucifixion, uh, he told his disciples that he goes away to prepare a place for you. And That's the idea here, that uh, the city has, is is ready, and so it comes down. Now, there's a lot of debate as to uh, what is meant by new heavens and, and a new earth, um, and I'm not sure it's worth exploring all those. important passage would be Second Peter 3, where it speaks of... Uh, Um, consuming the earth by fire whether that's literal or not is a matter of of debate but regardless what what you have is that the the old things are are no more the way we understand the earth is is no more particularly when it comes to sin and violence and injustice Uh, and um, so you get the holy city that's language borrowed from the Old Testament it's only used I think in Matthew Uh, but it's the holy city it's coming down Behold verse 3 the dwelling place of God the tabernacle of God is with man He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God a lot of Old Testament language He borrows from Isaiah quite a bit from this chapter He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away Now that's that's what we're looking for isn't it? Uh, No more coronavirus In heaven thank goodness no more pandemics no more violence no more elections Um, I think we can all say uh, amen or a women if you're one of those odd people Um, but all of it will will be away no more tears no more crying no more mourning no more pain all of that is past Verse five and he who is seated on the throne by the way I want to make this point notice that John doesn't write the word God hardly at all what he'll say is for example verse five Um, He who is seated on the throne. I heard a loud voice from the throne. Um, Languages like that, the Alpha and the Omega, stuff like that, uh, which is a very Jewish way of writing to where uttering the name of God uh, was something one did not do flippantly. And so these these descriptions of God are found throughout Revelation. It actually be worth going back through Revelation and and hunting those down. But he says there, verse 5, Behold, I'm making all things new, which we, we've seen that. And he said, Write this, this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Uh, and he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God. He will be my son. So much here. Notice, first of all, that what uh, the Alpha and Omega say, what Jesus says, is that It is done. It's the second time we've seen this in the book of Revelation. I think it was chapter 17, 19, something like that. We saw that same language. Now if it sounds familiar, it's because I believe it is hyperlinking back to the cross where in John's Gospel, so same writer of John's Gospel and the Revelation, uh, Jesus says, it is finished. So we see that the work of redemption is uh, climatic at the cross, yes, it is finished at the return of Christ. So we see these both as redemptive works. One redeems the soul, crushes the head of the serpent, all that sort of stuff. The other brings uh, with it uh, a new creation. And so, yes, we have salvation now, but that salvation will not be uh, realized fully until the return of Christ. Uh, Jesus makes this clear with his kingdom language. The kingdom is now, particularly when it's ushered through the cross and resurrection. The kingdom is not yet. So, Uh, We 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 are in the kingdom. We await the kingdom and we see that language in in John's use of it is done But I'm the Alpha and the Omega hyperlinking back to chapter one So so we're going to end where we began here is Jesus remember the book of Revelation is not to Fill out your end times charts and to make predictions every time you you turn on the news It is here rather for us to see Christ for us to be encouraged through difficult times particularly when it comes to persecutions and hardships and it is here to draw us to worship God. Uh, I am the Alpha and Omega, beginning in. To the thirsty I will give the spring of water of life without payment. Now, if you read John's writings, five books, the, the three epistles, the gospel, and the apocalypse, you'll find that this theme of water and, th- and being thirsty is a common theme throughout his writing. It's a common theme throughout the Bible, but particularly in John's writings. Probably the most prominent example is the woman at the well. We looked at that uh, a few months ago. But you remember that uh, the, the theme there was water. Here it was at, at noon time, the hottest part of the day in Middle Eastern sun. She comes alone uh, because she is thirsty. And everyone in her family are thirsty. But Jesus comes asking for a drink and then he says, um, If you drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. That, that, he, he's speaking of redemption there. Here we're seeing the same thing. Anyone who comes Will never thirst. And that is a gospel invitation. That if you are thirsty, you don't need to be, for you will find all that you need, all that you long for in Christ alone. And then verse 7 speaks of conquering. Do a word study of this word throughout Revelation. It's a fascinating study. We've highlighted a few of it, but that takes us back to the seven churches. Each of them says, To him who overcomes, to him who conquers. But the story of revelation is one where it seems as if the dragon is the one who is overcoming, as if the dragon is the one who is going to win, but is actually the lamb, the lowly, meek lamb who overcomes because the lion is the lamb. Well, Verse 9, Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, full of the seven last plagues. So clearly the connection between the bowls and the plagues of Egypt, I think, are made clear here. He spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now, what we have here is a a f- foreshadowing isn't is, 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 is in the right word, but a brief mention of the marriage of the Lamb, which will be developed more in chapter 22, so we'll spend more time on it, but just for our purposes, notice how it was introduced, um, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. That is clearly drawing a, a contrast, and we've talked about this, to the harlot that, that rides the beast. Um, so So we are purposely to see that one, Uh, is used the other um, and and comes to destruction the other prepares herself makes herself ready which takes time and then at her wedding the harlot never had a wedding because she never settled for for one for one lover but the 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 bride makes herself ready and this is a marriage of eternity Um, so this this is a beautiful scene of, of the bride who's made herself ready the wife of the lamb And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystals. What you see here is um, now the high mountain is is a common imagery throughout ancient culture. That's where the gods dwelt. And so in in Israel whenever they were idolaters you had the high places on top of mountains that's where the gods are so so if you want the the gods and man to meet you 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 go up to them sort of like the Tower of Babel you go up to them but the gospel is how how God comes down to us and so what you see here is is a high mountain um and and there is the the holy city so the city is a mountain now to a certain extent, there's some truth to that. The Bible says that you go up to Jerusalem, and you do, you have to go up, literally up to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem isn't a mountain. But, but these pictures of, of the mountain of God and the city of Jerusalem, the holy city, uh, which, which is uh, supposed to be like a garden of Eden, all of these are coming together to describe um, the presence of God and the future dwelling of God's people. And you'll see there, it's radiance has the the Shekinah glory of God, it's like uh, a rare jewel, Jasper, all that sort of stuff. And then what follows is a detailed description of heaven. Now, uh, I could be wrong on this, but I take a lot of this to be symbolic. I don't know if heaven is literally a cube. So it's it's length, width and depth are all the same. Uh, I, I don't think that is what we are to get out of this, but rather it's borrowing imagery from the Old Testament, a lot of Garden of Eden uh, language, like the stones and the rivers and everything else. Uh, in chapter 22, we'll see a tree of life, uh, to give another example, a very prominent example. Um, in fact, if, if you were to measure this out, one commentator said that that the width of this this cube you know New Jerusalem would be from like the city of Baltimore to the east to Denver in the west and its height would um, knock out some of our satellites in space okay so so this, this is a massive area um, and can you imagine being at the top floor of of that building right uh, so I, I don't know if we're to take this literally here but we are to see in the description we're not going to go through all the details i get lost in a lot of these details um is the the magnitude the beauty and the uh imagery that is there but for our purposes i want to skip down to verse 22. i saw no temple in the city no no wait wait i thought there was the temple Uh, but, but but what is a temple the temple is the place where god and men dwell and you have to have a temple with a curtain because man is unclean and sinful and unholy, but God is holy and righteous, the two um, are are um, not compatible. When you get uh, the resurrection, when you get uh, uh, when we finally get into the new heavens and new earth, well, those restrictions are, are taken away because now we have been given new glorified bodies. And sin does not reign anymore in the new heavens and new earth. So you don't need a temple building. For it says there, uh, the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. So the temple is where you come before God to worship. Now you literally come before God to worship. And the city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. I love that imagery. By its light... Will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it? And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Well, I think it'd be helpful, and we don't have time for this, to go back to creation itself, to, to see what it is God is doing. It isn't until the fourth day that you actually have the sun, moon, and stars governing everything, and so um, it is. It is. So what you have is darkness. And and God is the light over that. So God said, "Let there be light." And then out of that chaos, you're going to get the sun, moon, stars, everything like that to, to govern. Within then you see this theme throughout the Bible. For example, in in the Exodus, right in the plagues, one of those is darkness. Uh, when Jonah goes into the to the water, he describes it as sinking into darkness. Uh, um, um, and and at the cross, what it is, you get you get more darkness. This is a common theme throughout the Bible, and and the idea is 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 that. God is light. Jesus comes, remember, one of the four L's we looked at in John was light. Logos, life, light, lamb. And we see both light and lamb right here. That God is the light and there is no darkness. They will bring, uh, well, let's see, verse 27, uh, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but not only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't this what it is that we are looking for? Look, a lot of people ask, What is heaven going to be like? And there's good resources. I recommend the Randy Alcorn book. Um, But at the end of the day, what we need to see is the best part of heaven is that Jesus is there. And we get to be there with him by faith. Everything else is details, isn't it? I think so. hope to see you guys here tomorrow. We'll finish Revelation.